Good morning, Crossroads. Again, I'm Pastor Luke. I'm the youth pastor here. And I know you guys are like, why is the youth pastor up there? I, don't be scared. It's not going to be that bad, I promise. Well, at least I'll try not to make it so. Um, as I mentioned earlier today, Senior Sunday. And I believe that the Lord has given me a, a special message, not only just for seniors, because that is often the assumption. It's Senior Sunday. We're talking to high schoolers, so I'm going to check out. That's not the case. So I want to encourage you guys, stick with me as well as you can. We're going to talk about some transitional period stuff for everyone. And as I was uh, preparing and praying on what the Lord would have me to speak and to share with y'all, um, there was one specific story that I, I couldn't get out of my head as much as I wanted it to because it's kind of a difficult one. And I want to share just a, just a little piece of that before we even get started. Um, it comes from the story of Elisha seceding Elijah. Um, now, I'm going to do my best to not mix those two up because, yeah. So if you hear me going, Elisha, you'll know why I'm doing that. Okay. So the bit of the story that I want to share with you guys is it's very important and dear to my heart. And this is me, my heart speaking out to you guys. So you can find this in 2 Kings 2, verses 23 to 25. It says, Elisha, Elisha, left Jericho and went to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, a group of boys from the town began mocking him and making fun of him, saying, go away, baldy, they chanted. Go away, baldy. Elisha turned and looked at them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of them. From there, Elisha went to Mount Carmel and finally returned to Samaria. Nothing more needs be said. <laughs> Obviously, it's near and dear to my heart as a baldy. So, students and people involved in Emerge Ministries, recognize bears. That's all I got to say, bears. But in all seriousness, this morning we are going to be talking about how Elisha took over for Elijah. And what we can learn from that transitional period, because especially on a senior Sunday, we find ourselves in one of the most tender spots where it can be either very exciting or very terrifying or both at the same time. So today we're going to examine what we can learn in this period and how we can look at the life of Elisha and gives us a picture of a good transition. So today's purpose is to recognize moving from one present constant to the next stage of growth. The present constant meaning the thing that we have been called to do now as compared to moving forward to what's next. The next stage of growth is always the most difficult to understand when you first get into it. I mean, does anybody else have trouble with that? When you start something new, it's like, I hate this. Anybody dread going to a new job just because it's like, oh man, you got that first couple weeks that is just miserable because you don't know where anything is. You got to figure it out. Like when I got here, I had to rearrange my office like six times because the way my OCD brain works is I, it has to be in the right form or else I just can't think straight. And now that it's fine, I'm like, oh good. <laughs> I wish it was like this in the beginning because <laughs> that transition's just rough. So today it's not just for high school seniors. It's also for college seniors, master's students, doctoral candidates, parents, siblings, 
kids, and basically everyone in a family that is in any way connected to some form of moving forward. So, if that leaves any of you out, you're lying to yourselves. So, cool, right on. Moving on. I think it's safe to assume that as we approach these, turn, these, uh, these times of change and difference, in most cases, it's, it's a good change, in most cases. And if it's not directly a good change, it can be perceived as one if we look hard enough. But as I mentioned before, these times can be filled with mixed emotions, mixed feelings. There's the part that's exciting because it's something new, and then there's the part that's terrifying and just incredibly uncomfortable because you don't know what's going to happen. So that's what we're speaking into this morning. My goal is to encourage all of us not just to look at the bright future, but rather to see what God has for us in the in-between stages, what I call the bittersweet, which is why I've called my sermon today Bittersweet. So if you, could, if you uh, would turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2 or your phones or whatever version of a Bible that you have because there's like 50 million nowadays. So, 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to be reading verses 1 through 14. So follow along with me. I'm reading out of New Living Translation. It says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Verse 3. The group of prophets from... Yeah, that's not the first time I'm going to do that. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elisha and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered. But be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, As surely as the Lord lives, and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho said, came to Elijah and asked him, Did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elisha answered. But be quiet about it. Verse 6, Then Elijah and Elisha, or excuse me, Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has asked me to go to the Jordan River. But again... Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. Verse 7, 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped beside the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elisha replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, separating them, and Elijah was carried away by a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. 
And as they disappeared from sight, Elisha tore his clothes in distress. Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak, which had fallen when he was taken up. Then Elisha turned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elisha went across. Now, the reason I chose this text today is because it gives us an amazing example of pursuing and following through in a calling and seeking after the next step. So there are three sections of this that we're going to analyze. First is the pursuit, followed by the ask, and lastly will be the greater call. So let's jump right in to the first section of the pursuit, which is found between verses 1 to 8. The story of Elisha is one of great purpose and calling and necessity. And I say that because it wasn't by accident that Elisha was found to be Elijah's replacement, in a sense. It was actually told to Elijah, go and find the one that will replace you. So out the gate, they knew that's what this was about. Elijah didn't just come across this kid and go, hey, yeah, you look pretty cool. Come on with me, man. See what you can learn. It'll be all right. That wasn't the case. It wasn't lighthearted. It wasn't just a thing. It was purposeful. Elisha came about for the exact reason of replacing one of the most powerful prophets that have ever been listed in the Bible. Imagine that mantle being placed on you. You're going to fill this guy's shoes. Nope. (laughs) So, He followed in Elijah's footsteps between 10 to 12 years, watching, learning, taking in as much as he could to become the man that God had called him to be. That was his first calling, was to pursue that mantle, that next fulfillment as him being God's tool. We see in the first eight verses that Elisha would not falter in this calling. As much as Elijah tried to give him a little bit of a reprieve, they would go a certain distance and he'd be like, okay, dude, just kick back. We got a long walk from here. So I'm gonna leave you here. I'm gonna go do my stuff. And then God will meet you where you're at and give you the next calling. And Elijah's like, Mm-mm, nope, I'm coming with you. It's going down. Let's get it. And he kept following. He didn't let up on what he knew the Lord had called him to do. Three different times, Elijah gave him the option to bow out. He even had guys known as the sons of the prophets or the group of prophets, which just as a heads up, in other translations, when it calls them the sons of the prophets, that doesn't mean they were actually family. What these guys were would be, I guess, like disciples of the most prominent profiteers of the day. So these guys, profiteers, that was a bad word, sorry. The most prominent prophets of the day. So these guys were like Elisha, but of different prophets. So not only did he have guys coming and speaking into his lives, but they were his peers. And they were speaking truth on top of that. So these guys were legit. They weren't telling him lies. They weren't like, hey man, it's gonna get rough, get wrecked. No, they were trying to help him out or what they thought was helping him out. So he kept getting told, this is gonna be tough. You have pain in front of you. Do you know that? Yet he continued to press in and seek after the thing that God had called him to, which is to become the man that God had set before him, to take that place, that mantle. 
Now, even though his peers kept telling him and all this kind of stuff kept coming up, he persevered and he followed Elijah. And Elijah even gave him a greater opportunity once they got to the next step. Which brings us to our next section, which is called the ask, which we find in verses 9 to 12. Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. Now, I think we can easily glaze over a statement like this. But the thing we need to remember is Elijah was no joke. Imagine a person in Elijah's authoritative position nowadays would be somebody that would go up to a crazy leader. Like imagine somebody going up to um, North Korea and being like, hey, shape up, dude. You better, or stuff's going to go down. It's not going to be good. Dude would get shot. It wouldn't go well. It's the same situation, but back then, he would go to kings, and he would call out authority. He would be God's voice to the men of the world who had power. It wasn't a joke. It wasn't a small thing. So for a man of this authoritative position to tell you, ask me what I can do before I leave. Um, all right. I'd be like, shoot, make me about 6'2". Is that cool? Can I get there? (laughs) At this point, anything was on the table. He had that power given to him by the Lord. So imagine being in his shoes. What would you ask for? What's the thing that you would ask moving into a position like that? Or better put, What's the thing that you would ask moving into whatever position is in front of you? Moving on to college, moving on to master's programs, moving on to a new job, having your first child, having another child, whatever the case may be, what would you ask moving to that next step? Now, Elisha gives us such an amazing example. He didn't ask to be 6'2". Maybe he already was, whatever, dude. Um, He asked for something even more crazy. He asked that he would be awarded with double the portion of God's spirit that the man before him had. And even Elijah was like, dude, you're asking a lot because I'm awesome, obviously. I I don't think he said that, but he knew it was a big deal. He knew that was a big ask. Did that stop Elijah or Elisha? Did it stop him from asking big just because it was big? No. He had the courage, he had the wherewithal to ask for something that was so big that he knew he couldn't acquire it himself. Much like everything in our lives, we can't acquire the things that we need. Who do we ask for it? The God, the power of all authority, God himself. Now, the next part is a little bit difficult to, I guess, grasp the entirety of the situation because Elijah, he's like, okay, that's going to be tough, but here's, here's the key. You just got to watch, see what happens. And if you watch, you'll, you'll get it. If you don't, you won't. Seems pretty easy, right? Okay, cool. Not that big a deal. Except that it was a huge deal. For these two reasons, I'm going to give you two different perspectives on how this could have worked. First of all, imagine in Elisha's shoes, you have watched this man for the last 10-ish years of your life. 
He's been your mentor, your director, your, essentially your dad figure at that point. You knew he was going away. You've been told by other authoritative positions of God's words that he was going away. So not only do you have to be there and witness it, but you have to watch as it happens. It's seeing the pain in front of you and deciding that, yeah, I'm going to persist through this and watch as God works. So Elijah isn't just saying, oh yeah, just hang out. No, he's saying, push through the pain and be here. Be present for this because it's not going to be easy. And the next part of it that we don't even really grasp nowadays is that the presence of God has to be there for something crazy like that to happen. If you know you're going to get taken away by God's authority, you're kind of waiting on God to show up. And if that's the case, if God's going to show up, that means that anybody who lays eyes on God doesn't live. You don't make it back from something like that because God's perfection ends you right there because you can't be in front of perfection because we're so broken. So going into this, Elijah knows if God's going to show up and I'm supposed to watch, I'm going to die. Or it's a very high possibility that I will. So not only does he have to push through the pain of losing his greatest impression, his greatest mentor, his father figure of the time, but also he's putting his life into his own hands by staring at what God is going to do. This is what he's been asked to do, is to pursue, persist, and go forward, press into pain, and press into fear of the unknown. The thing that he didn't know how it was going to end, but he was told to stick through it. So Elisha had to choose to go forward through that fear. Much like many of us now, moving into something that we don't know what's going on. We don't know what the next step is. We don't know how it's going to turn out. It's terrifying, yet it's exciting, and we're supposed to push into it. Why are we pushing into something so terrifying? God is calling us to have that courage to seek after him through this. Which brings us to our last section in verses 13 and 14, a greater call. So Elisha gets to witness a fiery chariot and fiery horses. How many of y'all horse people? We got some horse people in here? Okay, yeah, that's what I thought. Now, can you imagine seeing a horse made of fire? I said, what? Yeah, that'd be awesome. And then on top of that, you got a chariot behind it made of fire, and the dude's getting into it, not getting burned. It's like, what? Dude, I don't know. That gets me excited. That's pretty cool stuff. So he got to see all this take place, and then he got picked up and carried in a whirlwind. Who sees that? That's awesome. So he got to see all this stuff happen. And then on top of that, he gets blessed after it because he stuck through. God heard the ask and he granted beyond any of our expectations. It says that afterward, Elijah, Elisha picks up Elijah's coat and he walks up to the, the Jordan River and he does the same thing. <laughs> Wax it and it parts. Now, I don't know if you guys realize what the significance of water parting is, 
but it was only God's true servants that this happened for. Moses at the Red Sea, Elijah before Elisha. This is a symbol of God's authority being placed on a servant. And the cool thing was, the most important thing was we got 50 witnesses of the prophets watching, seeing that mantle be handed down and it happening. So not only did he receive it, but it's, it's official. Everybody knows now. Everybody knows that this guy has taken the place of the great prophet Elijah. So this new calling, this new position, this new power was official and it was heavy. Imagine filling the shoes of one of the greatest prophets ever listed in the Old Testament. Whew. I don't know about y'all, I can't fill them shoes, especially considering he's probably taller than me. But aside from that, he asked and God responded. Which that's what I want to spend the most time on this morning is what that means to us. Because this is a great story. This is a great coming to life of how God works in reality. But the most important thing in my life and in our lives is that when we read this stuff, when we see how God works, we walk out these doors and use it, right? Because if we just hear it and do nothing, it doesn't mean anything. It hasn't done anything in our lives unless we put it into practice. So in application this morning, that's why I call this the bittersweet. Because us here, whether you're a high school graduate, college graduate, master's graduate, doctoral candidate, graduate, whatever, or you're moving to a different job, you're having kids, you, have, you just bought a house, whatever the case may be, we're going through choices, we're going through changes. How many in this room could say that, yes, I am going through, moving from one step to the next right now? Is anybody in this room gonna fit that bill? Okay, that's most of us that are raising our hands. Some of us don't want to because it's like, I don't wanna to admit to this because frankly, I haven't even accepted it in my own heart. So, and then there's also those who are just coming up to it. You're still in that pursuit section, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's even more impressive that you're still pursuing that is important stuff. But for us now, I want to encourage all of us to look at this bittersweet section in life, that in-between part, where we're excited to see what happens, but we're terrified because we don't know. We need to make that ask. Now, I'm a surfer, as you can see. Maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> uh, so in my brain, the way my brain works is all of my analogies initially come out as waves and stuff like that. So you're gonna have to bear with me. Are there any surfers in the room? Anybody? Come on. Hey, I see two in the back. Yeah, praise God, awesome. I see those hands. <laughs> Okay, so bear with me. I'm going to try to paint this picture for you as good as I can. If you've ever seen a picture of a wave or a video of a wave, you see that big old hump coming up like that, right? And right here, that's the key spot where you pop into that wave. Now, in the world of surfing, in order to get better, it's a trial and error method. It's like, okay, I've never tried something that big, so we'll see, we'll see how it goes. But on that portion of the wave, when it just looks like a big old face... You're sitting on the top, 
and you have the choice to either push into it or back out. Okay, now you're, now you're like, okay, I see what you did there. All right. Yeah, push in or back out. And when you push in, you have to get up, you stand up, and you ride into what you don't know how it will end. Because within that big old face, there's enough weight to crush you and your board. But man, it's going to be a good ride in the meantime. So my question is this morning, are you going to push in or are you going to back out? Because right now we're on that cusp of an amazing ride. The next step in what God has called each of us to. I know since I've been here in Decatur, there's been many changes that have happened to youth ministry. I've had to come to terms with some things I was doing didn't work. And I had to be okay with change. And it's terrifying because you don't know if it's going to work. But we had to make those changes and just see what God would do. So this morning, I can honestly say, I know many of you sitting out here are going through that question of what comes next, especially you seniors, because y'all don't know what comes next. You have an idea, you have a plan, but who knows what the outcome is, right? So I want to encourage you all, the same way I am now, we all need to make that ask. God has given us the opportunity to speak openly, to ask for what we need and what we want because we can't produce it ourselves. So my encouragement to all of us is to let God do that work. Let God be the one to blow your socks off, to just blow your mind with how great he is. So I'm going to ask the band to come back up and our, uh, our ministry team to come to the front.